This is Xander Fryer from High Impact Coaching and author of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to the stories that sell with my good friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. everybody welcome to this episode of stories itself uh today i have a really epic dude uh xander fryer <laughs> so with that uh how you doing man i'm doing well dude i'm glad that i'm an epic dude, dude. i know have you ever been introduced as an epic dude <laughs> um pr- probably at some point but you know it definitely feels good even if this isn't the first time oh good well i kind of tend to lean towards the nerd side of things and that was just one of them you know <laughs> fair enough i like it yeah. So uh, for our audience who doesn't know you or some might, but for those who don't, why don't you just give us a little uh, look into who is Xander Fryer? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, who is Xander Fryer? Is, that might take too long, but what Xander Fryer does might be a little bit easier. There we go. Um, so I own a company, uh, High Impact Coaching. We're a multi-seven figure company. We coach coaches. Uh, so, uh, health coaches, life coaches, fitness coaches, career coaches, anybody who's looking to grow their coaching business and go full-time, um, you know, reach six figures, multiple six figures and seven figures. We've worked with over 750 different coaches, helping them take, take their businesses full-time and, uh, scale up. So that's what we do right now. I'm also a, uh, best-selling author, the book shit you don't learn in college, which just came out. And I also, also host my own podcast shit you don't learn in college. So I do, I do a bunch of fun stuff. We have a lot in common there. Uh, I have a graduate degree, uh, so I spent nice. some years in school, and nice. uh, I really learned quite a bit more once I was finished with that. <laughs> so I'm really—it's amazing how that works, right? Yeah, yeah. I am really looking forward to kind of um, diving into this, and and it was actually uh, as a as a uh, a person who's been through your program and yes. still was involved in your program, and and actually. Uh, sent a lot of people your way. It's phenomenal. I don't know any of them who haven't come out on the other end, not earning money. So that's a big well, we, deal. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause we were, I was having a, a conversation with a couple of my different mentors and apparently we're the only uh, coaching program that'll actually offer a guarantee because nobody else can actually guarantee that you'll get results. Um, we're the only ones that can actually do that because what we do actually works. So yeah, that's insane. It's insanely cool. Um, yeah. So I can't speak enough about it. In fact, I've talked to a lot of people about it, so. <laughs> but it really, I want to, I want to hear your story. I was just, before we got started recording, I was telling you, I've heard bits and pieces. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to the unwrapping the Xander story and talking about how this book came to life, how your business came to life because yeah. you're impacting, like you said, lots of people. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's, we could go all the way back to when I was a, a wee little Nino. Um, no, I think the probably the most pertinent thing is, you know, just like everybody else, I was uh, I was led to believe that going to college would be what got me 
uh, going to college would be what got me into uh, a, a successful way of life, right? So I was I was good at uh, I was good at math and sciences in high school. So uh, proverbial question like Xander, what are you going to be when you grow up? Was was actually pretty easy for me. I was going to be an engineer, right? You're good at math, you're good at sciences, so go do the engineering thing. You'll have uh, you'll get um, you know good pay, stable lifestyle. There'll always need always going to be a need for engineers in the future. So I was pretty straightforward. So. I went to UCLA for, for engineering, electrical engineering, and it was while I was at UCLA that I actually uh, really had my first run in with like purpose and passion. Um, I didn't come from a, a wealthy family, so I had to uh, join Air Force ROTC to pay for my college degree in housing and everything like that. Um, and while I was in Air Force ROTC, I actually fell in love with leading others and mentoring others. And, and that was my first time I really encountered purpose. Um, you know, During my four years there, uh, I ended up being the, the commander of my detachment. I graduated uh, field training top of my class with the Top Gun Award. I was actually going to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force uh, until my senior year. I got a DUI and I got kicked out. So, uh, you know, basically at that point, I did what every young 21, 22 year old kid is doing. You know, I had this college degree in electrical engineering and uh, you know, I did what everybody else did and I took it into the corporate world. So I joined Cisco Systems. Um, you know, when I was 21, 22, whatever it was. Um, and I worked for Cisco right out of college for the next five or six years, which to be honest, was an amazing job. It was uh, like, I tell people like, I got the best job out of college that you could have gotten. Right. And that was actually one of the most dangerous things for me because it was like the heavy golden handcuffs. But, you know, my first year I made, I think my first year I made almost six figures. The next year I made over six figures as a kid right out of college. Um, they, te- they, they treated me well, they taught me well, I made great money. I, I, you know, eventually climbed the ladder and the last couple of years there, I was making nearly a quarter million dollars as a kid in his mid twenties, mid to late twenties, uh, with clients like Disney, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, NBC, Comcast, Verizon, like you name it. I worked with them I had a standing meeting with a Disney CIO as a, you know, 26, 27 year old kid, which is, which is crazy. Um, but I had, you know, at that point, I had I'd done what everybody told me to do. You know, I'd built up my built up my resume. I had gotten these raises and promotions. And by all external means, you know, I was driving a BMW, living in Venice Beach, flying around the country. By all external means, I, I should have been happy and felt successful, but I didn't. I felt empty. I felt like there was, you know, like I had all this stuff. Like, why am I still feeling like I have nothing? And, you know, I was the guy that would go out to bars on the weekends and buy everybody around a shots because, uh, you know, that was my way of filling the void. Um, and it wasn't until I had a conversation with a mentor of mine. Um, and this was just around five years ago. And, uh, he asked me, he said, Xander, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And that was, that was probably one of the most important questions that I've ever been asked in my life. Actually, I can look back now. It is the most important question I've ever been asked in my life at the right time. Um, I did a whole TED talk around it and everything. Um, but he asked me, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I said, well, that's easy. I would, I would mentor and coach and, and, uh, and support people. I love that. And ever since, uh, ever since I got kicked out of the Air Force, I haven't really been doing it at Cisco. And he said, well, wh- why don't you go do it? Why don't you go do that? And this mentor of mine was an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I think I did a really good job of is even when I was in a corporate world, I had mentors and I had people that I looked up to in different areas. 
uh, different things that I that I uh, you know strive to be. So I had mentors in entrepreneurship even while I was in the nine to five world, and that's something I learned in the Air Force. Like always, go find someone, go go see if there's somebody who has a life that you want to live, and go have them mentor you. Whether whether you do it for free or sometimes you got to pay them, right? Like um, you no, know, go find that person and learn from them because you're never you're never gonna learn you're never gonna learn the true wisdom, the implementable wisdom from textbooks and theory. You have to learn it from someone who's been through the shit, right? And so I actually, I did a really good job doing that even when I was in college in, in Cisco. But basically he asked me, uh, you know, Xander, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I told him I'd mentor and coach full-time. And he said, well, why aren't you doing that? And I came up with every excuse known to man. You know, I've got, you know, all this momentum in my career. I'm going to be one of the youngest directors in Cisco's recent history. I've, I've got this, I've got that, I, you know, it's amazing. And he just saw right through the bullshit. He's like, dude, like, just because you're on a path, does that mean you should walk it? And, and just because you're, just because you're good at something, does that mean you should do it? He's like, you, you talk about all these things and, and this facade of success, but all I see is a scared kid, someone who's afraid to really go after what they really want to do. And that was the first person I ever had, like really just cut through the bullshit and tell me honestly, like I was lying to myself. And I think most of us are, most of us do lie to ourselves. And that's the hardest part. It's like, if you don't stop lying to yourself, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be fulfilled. Um, so he goes, Xander, you know, do you know the difference between you and me? And I said, well, you make a shit ton more money than I do. Um, and he said, the difference between you and me is I'm actually living my dream. You're ever since you got kicked out of the air force, you've just been dreaming. one." And he basically just called me out. And it was, that was like a straight kick to the nuts as you know, a cocky little 27 year old kid. Um, and I remember, I, I remember that conversation and I remember that was on a Saturday and it was fueled by a little bit of tequila. Um, but that Sunday, I could not stop thinking about that conversation because he, he also said, you know, when you get to my age, you'll learn one thing. And that's the one resource you can never get back is your time. Mm -hmm. And every moment off purpose is a moment wasted. And that Saturday, I couldn't stop thinking about that. And then that Sunday, I couldn't, or sorry, that Sunday, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then that Monday, I went back to work and I had my Cisco meetings like eight to nine. I had the Disney meeting and I, I couldn't stop thinking, I'm never going to get that hour back. And then nine to 10 was the NBC meeting. I'm like, I'm never going to get that hour back. Uh, 10 to 11 was the sales meeting. 11 to 12 was the engineering meeting. By, by noon, I was basically just like, I'm never going to get that morning back. That morning is gone for the rest of my life. And I sat there for about five minutes and then I just picked up my phone and I called my manager and I, I told him I quit. <laughs> wow. That's sudden. Yeah. Yeah. So basically just called him up. I said, Frank, I'm done. And he goes, what do you mean you're done? Who gave you an offer? Where are you going? And I go, no, nobody gave me an offer. He's like, well, what are you doing? I go, I don't know. And he's like, well, what do you mean you don't know? I go, I don't know, but I know that it's not this. And every moment that I continue to spend not trying to figure what quote unquote it is, is a, is a wasted moment for me. So I have to go invest all of my time and energy to figure that out first so that I can pursue that full time. And that was the end. That's incredible. I mean, was there a moment of fear because you just like transitioned this oh, of course. from Saturday to yeah. like Monday, the meetings and boom, I'm making the call. Most people would perseverate on that call and get nervous and be, you know, working themselves up. But this was fast and furious. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is, this is what I dig into in my Ted talk. The whole, the whole idea that 
um, you know, it's a ridiculous amount of our fears. Cornell did a study and it was something like 97% of our fears end up uh, never coming true or being completely over-exaggerated. Like only like one out of 30 ends up being somewhat real. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, the big thing for me was like realizing like, yeah, of course I'm going to have all these fears. I'm doing something different, but like, is any of this actually going to kill me? Right. And the answer was no, like none of this is going to quitting my job is not going to kill me. And I'd, I'd, I'd built up enough confidence in myself. Did I know what I was going to do? No. Did I know how to make money outside of a nine to five job? No. But did I, did, did I have resolve that I would figure it out? Absolutely. Right. And that was, I, I basically had like two or three major beliefs at that point. Like the first one was like, again, time is the only resource I can't, can't get back. I can figure out how to make more money. I can figure out how to do all these other things, but I cannot get my time back. So no amount of time was worth any amount of money to me, right? So that was the first thing. The second thing was, okay, I'm, I, I know that I'm not good enough to like, you know, build a, build a business or do this entrepreneurship thing on my own. So I'm going to need to learn. But if I focus on learning and growing and I don't give up and it doesn't kill me, well, then there's only going to be one outcome. I don't know when it's going to be, but if I, if I don't die, I always focus on growing and I don't give up. Eventually I'm going to get there. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it was just a, a matter of in my brain, I flipped that switch to I'm hundred percent committed, no matter what happens, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get there. Right. And I think every, every entrepreneur that I've talked to has some moment like that where they had to flip the switch and hundred percent commit. And is it scary? Of course it's scary. It's scary for every single one of us. But the reality is if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. The moment you decide to do something different is always terrifying, but it's the moment that you actually start to get more. You start to have more, you start to become more, you have to do something different. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, I want to hear the rest of the story, but before the question that's been burning in my mind, since I very first started with your program, because you talk a lot about your mentors. Yeah. And I've done a lot of um, soul searching and listening to other people talk about how to get mentors. And there's some really cool ways and it's really expanded my vision, but you have incredible mentors. And the question that's always burned in my head is like, where did you start? Like, how did you, did you move your way through to get better and better and better mentors and coaches? Did you just pay massive amounts of money to get into the right masterminds. Like I'm, I'm want to know the equation because yeah. it's, it's been burning in my mind for so long. Yeah. It's, I think it's all of the above. Right. So I, whenever I put myself in a position to network with someone or, or get mentored by someone, I commit to making their life better in some way. Most people seek out mentors for their own benefit. Right. Right. That's, that's the biggest thing is most people seek out mentors for their benefit And if you're a successful person, right? Like there's no shortage of people that reach out to me that are like, Xander, I want you to mentor me, Xander, this and that. So it's like, that's why we have my programs at this point. It's like, I have so many people that want to want to mentor, like want to get mentorship from me. It's like, you have to prove that you're going to actually take the actions that I tell you to take. And the only way that I can get you to prove that is by putting your money where your mouth is, right? Um, So it's just the truth. So I've paid a lot of money just to be around certain people to prove to them, hey, I'm no joke, right? And I've done it in situations where, frankly, I didn't have the money, right? right? But I figured out the money because I knew that by putting myself in proximity with certain people, I would learn every, I would learn how to behave, I would learn how to act, I would learn the skills, I would learn the decision making processes to become more successful. So 
a lot of the time I paid and I paid very handsomely to be around those right people. Um, and then whether I paid or didn't pay, probably the most important thing that I did is when I did get mentorship from someone, I acted on it. So if somebody gave me a piece of advice and I didn't do it, I damn well guarantee you that person's not going to give you any more advice. Right. right? It's just, it, so, you know, it's just, that's how things work, right? If I were to give somebody a piece of advice and they didn't do it, fuck you. Right. Sorry. Like I just gave you like a golden piece of advice that I probably spent years and millions of dollars learning. And if you're not going to implement that, you're not getting any more help. Right. Cause you're not going to pay attention to this, like the wisdom that I'm going to give you. So the most important thing that you can do when getting mentorship is act on it, like implement it, get out of your comfort zone, do the shit that scares you. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why every single one of my mentors, whether they started out paid or not paid, I ended up building really, really close relationships with them to the point where every single one of them has become close friends. I've had dinners with them. They've come over to my house. I've been to their house, I've been to their weddings, things like that. Because I was the guy that even if I paid for mentorship, I was the guy that implemented absolutely everything, got crazy out of my comfort zone, made shit happen that nobody else was willing to do. So they're like, wow, this kid's number one, he's nuts. Um, but number two, like he's great to be around because he actually inspires me to take action. He inspires me to be more because I see how much energy he has. I see the willingness he has to get out of his comfort zone. So he actually pushes me. I want to keep him in my world more than just being a mentee of mine. And I've had, you know, several of my mentors end up hiring me afterwards because they see what they can learn from me because I'm doing stuff even beyond what they're doing. Um, but that comes from just being that person that's willing to implement, willing to be courageous, willing to get out of your comfort zone. Um, and that's really what inspires other people is like doing the things that other people are scared of. That's what inspires other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now have you, gone out of your way when when you do have success based on what a mentor has done to share that with other people yeah. yep 100% in the end like it all comes back to giving value right if i can bring value to other people my mentors my network in any way i'm going to do it right i think um you know i was i always tell people there's a there's a really interesting way of thinking about this that i i realized i had uh maybe a couple of months ago that I think is different than most people. So when I'm in business, you know, everybody talks about like Xander and you probably heard this within our community, right? Xander, this is my mission. This is my purpose. This is what I'm, you know, what I'm meant to do. Um, and I've always had this weird way of thinking about my mission. And it's not, not that I have this mission. It's that this mission has me, right? So, so when you think of having the mission, it is my mission. It's very egocentric, Right. Yeah. So my mission, my mission is to, you know, in high impact coaching right now, my mission is to help thousands of coaches build successful businesses because every coach that I help, you know, it every, every time I go help a coach build a successful six figure, multiple six figure, seven figure business, uh, you know, we're going to take you guys to 5 million in the next two years, which I'm, I'm going to have a blast doing. <laughs> Me but, too. <laughs> yeah. But um, like every time we help, like when I go help you guys, right, you guys are going to help thousands of people. Right. And so every single, you know, every single Scott or Josh that I get to go help, I'm going to have an exponentially larger impact. This is my mission. That's one way to look at it. Right. Now, the other way to look at it is there is this mission in the world. There are these, there are these servant leaders, these coaches that are out to serve other people that are out there to, to create a difference and change the world. I personally think that coaches are like the tip of the spear when it comes to change in this world. 
where they're doing the the, scra- the the scary, crazy shit. They're being the leaders. They're facing judgment, facing criticism to go help people in different, challenging the status quo. This is how we change the world, right? Well, that mission exists. That mission is not my mission. That mission exists, and I am here to support that mission. And I will do everything in my power to make sure that that mission succeeds. So when you start to view it that way, you you start to stop. You, you, you don't see competition. You just see you know, hey, there's other people that are on this same mission too. How can we help each other? Yeah. Or, hey, there's other people I can collaborate with that will help me grow this mission. And I see the other missions that they're on. And I'm like, damn, that's an amazing mission. Like, I want to make sure that that mission succeeds too. So in the end, as much as you can bring value to other people and, and share share wisdom, share knowledge, share energy, share share stories like we're talking about right now, like that's in the end, that's going to be what moves this whole world for, forward. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's absolutely um, true. And I've seen you do it. I've seen you, this kind of this abundance in, in mindset and in sharing this, like in your program, you interview other coaches, you interview mm-hmm. other people who uh, help elevate. And, and as a result, you know, I've paid for coaching from people that you've talked with and there's a risk, there's a risk there when 100%. that you might lose because they only want to spend so much money, but the impact when that mission has you that impact, like that coach has the ability to impact X amount of people as well. And then it becomes exponential. And yeah. then your impact isn't a thousand. I would I'd argue it's not thousands of coaches because of that multiplication effect. It's much higher. It's much higher. Yeah. And I think the, the big thing there, right. If you, when you start to think of it as like this mission has me, it's like, okay, if there's somebody that would have been a better fit for this person, like I'd rather they work with this person mm-hmm. because then they're going to, then they're going to get the results they need to continue to drive the mission forward. Yep. Right. So it's a totally different way of looking at things, but um, you know, the thing that I always tell people at first is like, if you're an entrepreneur, the first thing you got to do is you got to get yourself out of like full on scarcity. You have to get yourself into a place of, of, okay, I've got, I've got, I've got some funds. I've got some consistency. I'm not worried about like having to go back to a nine to five job. I'm not worried about, you know, the, the everything crumbling and, and, you know, all of that. Cause as soon as you start to get out of that mindset, that's when the fun really starts to begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can personally attest to that mm-hmm. there. And it's, it's, it's not just an easy flip the switch. It takes some work. Hence why it takes, a, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's, let's continue on with your story because there's a gap here. Yeah. Quit. Gap between quitting and then multi-million dollar business, exactly. 5,000 poster on the wall and all those other things. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, really for those people listening, not watching, cause you can't watch this, but for those listening, there is an Inc 5,000 poster on the wall. There's this <laughs> book behind him. And I know there's more because I've heard and seen more. So that you don't go from just, I'm quitting my job. I have a big, bigger vision. I'm not going to waste another minute of my day to multi-million dollar business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I quit my job. The first, the very first thing that I did is I spent every penny possible on mentorship. Mm. Um, you know, and, and everybody's like, yeah, but Xander, you made so much money in Cisco. You have this big stockpile of money. Like it was easy for you. No, are you kidding me? I was, I'm a, I'm a millennial, right? Like I don't save money or I do now, but I didn't save money then I spent every penny of it. So I had about, I had about three months worth of living expenses saved up when I quit my job and I spent every penny of it within the first 30 days. And then I started racking up credit card debt to hire mentors, coaches, masterminds, programs, uh, because I, I just went back to that idea that I had heard before, you know, if you really want to accomplish something, you go find the person who's done the thing you want to do. You find the person who's done the thing you want to do, and you learn from them. 
right? And I, at that point, I had realized like, look, there were other people that had built online businesses around what they were passionate about. And they'd done this whole mentor, you know, mentoring thing and that sort of stuff. Um, and so I was like, well, I spent $100,000 on my college degree that got me into a job that I wasn't happy with. Why would I hesitate to spend more money when I finally realized like, okay, this is something that I actually want to do. Um, I just need to invest with the people that actually know how to do it. The people that have gone before me and done it before. Um, so I invested about, I think it was, I want to say something like $45,000 uh, over the next uh, 90 days for all these different programs and all these different mentorships and things like that. Um, and I was literally two, I think it was like two or three weeks away from like not being able to pay rent because my two credit cards were maxed out. Man. I hadn't made a dime in the business. Um, and you know, like everything was like lining up. And then I finally got my first client at like 2,700 bucks or something like that. And then the next client was 4k and the next one was 6k. Um, and so that first month I made that first month of making money, I ended up making 13 grand. The next month was 17. Then it was 24. Then it was 32, 40 something, you know, it started to climb up from there. Um, we ended up having, uh, we ended up having our first six figure month within about 12 months. Wow. Um, and that was as a life coach. So, you know, proverbial, you know, millennial quits corporate job to start life coaching business. Um, <laughs> the only difference was I was willing to invest in myself like crazy. And I was willing to learn and do anything it took to start to make this a, a full-time business. Um, you know, I remember when I was, I was thinking like, I'm not going to be able to pay rent. The next thought in my mind was like, okay, whose couch am I going to have to crash to get this business up and running for, you know, for the next couple of months while I keep working on this? You know, it, there was no, there was no moment. I should take that back. Every single day I woke up, I wanted to quit. Yeah. Every single day I woke up, I wanted to quit. There was no moment where I would actually allow myself to entertain the idea of actually quitting. Every single day I woke up, I was like, man, I can't handle this. This is too much. This is so difficult. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And then the next thought is, yeah, but you can't quit Xander. There's no like 0% possibility that I would actually quit, even though I, I had the thought every single day. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so ended up turning up the business as a life coach uh, very quickly. And then eventually we had, you know, I had so many people reaching out to me like six, eight months in and so many people reaching out to me like, dude, Xander, you just did in like five months what I've been trying to do for five years. What the hell did you just do? Um, and so I was like, well, I don't know, like, here's how I did it. You want to pay me and I'll teach you how to do it. And had a handful of people that were like, yeah, sure. So I had my first set of clients teaching them how to build coaching businesses and every single one of them got great results. Uh, so, you know, they told more people, more people came to me and that's how high impact coaching was born. Um, you know, I saw, okay, I could, I could help a lot of people as a life coach, but I clearly had a skill set and a mindset and a tool set that most people didn't have to help these starting coaches really get up and running fast and get to that six figure mark, um, you know, seemingly overnight when they'd been struggling for years. Um, so that's how high impact coaching was born. And, you know, the next four years was basically just refining that system, refining that process, helping people get results faster, help them get to the next levels quicker. But I think that's actually something I want to emphasize real quickly is like um, a lot of entrepreneurs jump around and do a lot of shit once they get up and running. And this is something you and I have had the conversation about. We've really done one thing very, very well for the last four years. And because of that, we just keep getting better. Our business grows uh, about 70 to 80% year over year. 
right? So, you know, what's going to take me to eight figures and $20 million a year isn't doing something else. It's going to be continuing to do this thing better and better and help more and more people get results faster and faster. Yeah. I think uh, so many entrepreneurs have to try, or they feel like they have to keep inventing yeah. because it's, well, that's what an entrepreneur does, but yeah. And that's, the, I think that's the difference between an entrepreneur and the entrepreneur that graduates to business owner, right? There's an entrepreneur and all an entrepreneur is to take an idea and, and, you know, toy around with it, take an idea and toy around with it and see if it works, see if it doesn't. A true business owner is an entrepreneur that can take the idea, prove it out and then grow it and scale it. That's a bit true business owner. Yeah. I've never heard of it explained that way, but that really does make sense. It resonates. Yeah. So there's maybe a little bit of a hierarchy there that I never thought about. <laughs> Cause I think a lot of people wear entrepreneur as a badge of honor. You know, we, yeah. it, it's, it's hard work. It's very emotionally draining. You do have to put fear on a different level in your life and really kind of lower it on the totem pole and be like, I don't, it's okay. Well, I tell every, I tell everybody entrepreneurship is illogical. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like if you're searching for a logical life, if you're searching for, for rationale, right? Entrepreneurship is batshit crazy. Like don't, don't go down that path. Um, but you know, that's like, this is the, this is the contrast. If you want to be successful in life, well, what is success defined? Success defined is having more and being more than the average person right? That's what success is. Well, if you want to have more and you want to become more and you want to do more than the average person, then you can't follow common knowledge and, and common rationale. You actually have to be illogical. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be successful, you have to do something different like we were talking about. Yeah. 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 Your, your imagery from entrepreneur to business owner reminds me of the book, Three Feet from Gold. I don't know if you've read it, but you know, it's, it's like, well, I can get the idea of the topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, and so I do, I see people with ideas jumping from thing to thing. And I'm like, man, if you would just stick on the one, the first thing you had was really good. It was golden. Yeah. It was golden. Yeah. Just keep digging. Cause you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So let's talk about your book because that just hit sure. recently. Um, so when I first started taking these courses from you, the title was shit you didn't learn in college. Yeah. And now this is a book that's come out. Yeah. So yeah, the idea of shit you don't learn in college, obviously I went to UCLA, I got a degree, I, I went to the corporate world. Um, and it was when, you know, it was when I was really getting mentored and coached and learning how to, you know, drive this business forward. You know, I learned there was so much stuff that just college to be successful, to be happy, to be fulfilled that college just did not teach any of us. Right. And it was, it was completely done the wrong way. Um, so that sent me down a, sent me down a, a pretty deep path of learning where the education system came from, why it is the way that it is right now, why it's not working for so many people. Um, and that resulted in, in shit you don't learn in college. Now I, you may have heard the story, but. Hey, before we get started, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com 
and book an appointment to find out more. When I originally came up with the idea of shit you don't learn in college about four years ago, uh, I went to the U.S. government to get it trademarked, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office turned it down because it was the idea was lewd and offensive to the idea of higher education. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so the U.S. government legitimately did not want me to write this book. They did not want me to have this trademark. Um, and I actually I took that to uh, a lawyer friend of mine, and we actually took it to court. Um, and he actually uh, ended up taking it to the Supreme Court, and we ended up winning. Um, they basically oh. found, yeah, they basically found the Supreme Court found that the U.S. Patent and Trade Office uh, was unconstitutional in ruling that I could not have that trademark, and it violated my First Amendment. So we ended up getting the trademark, and we ended up obviously getting the book, but it, you know, obviously took us a few years to make it happen. Um, you know, the main, the the main driver behind the book was obviously there was a lot of stuff in in school that I didn't learn that I needed to and stuff in school that I did learn that I didn't need to. Um, but one of my, you know, we went, we go back to like what really triggered it for me and why was I willing to fight the U S government to make this book happen? And it all comes back to my best friend, AJ, who was a, uh, a U.S. Marine um, and suffered from trauma and PTSD and addictive tendencies for a majority of his life, but particularly after uh, um, getting out. Mm. And he ended up taking his own life about four, four and a half years ago. And we always used to talk about how, for me, for whatever reason, I was really good in the education system. I got great grades. I went to UCLA, but I always saw AJ as being brighter than I was, more creative than I was. He, he was my first mentor. He was the most inspiring person I ever knew. I knew him since I was nine years old, played soccer and baseball together. He introduced me to my first girlfriend. When I was like the little nerd in high school, he was the one that introduced me to everybody and like made, made me social, taught me how to be social. Yeah. Um, but he always felt rejected. He always felt ashamed of who he was because of the, the way the education system was. He always felt dumber than other people, even though he was probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, to the point that, you know, about four and a half years ago, he was too ashamed to keep living and he took his own life. And, you know, that really drove me down that path of figuring out like why our education system is the way that it is, why it's so messed up and what we should be learning instead um, now, I don't know how much time we have, but I'd love to dig into a little bit of that if, if that you think that would be helpful for people. I, well, I, I will be, and, and it's worth the time. You, you know, I'm formally educated as an educator. Yeah. I have a master's degree in education, and I literally uh, left for probably a lot of the reasons that you've learned. And, and yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to go there. <laughs> I'd love cool. to go there. So, so, yeah. So, the biggest thing, you know, the first thing that I always tell people is like to understand how we got to this point, you need to understand the history of the education system and where it came from. Um, so I go, I always go back to Plato's Republic and you know, like four or 500 years BC. Um, and if you look at ancient Greece, they, their education system was based off of something, it's the, called the classical education system and it's the trivium. So the trivium is the base of the education system. And basically what you have to do is you have to master these three pillars of the trivium uh, over the course of years, possibly even decades. And that's what created a quote unquote individually contributing member of society, someone who could actually contribute to the rest of society. Now, these three pillars were number one, grammar or the ability to learn on your own. Number two, logic or the ability to reason on your own. And number three was rhetoric, the ability to critically think, critically question and re-deliver something new. So- Little that's from today. <laughs> Sorry. 
that's a little different from our system today. Very different from today. But people would spend years mastering these three things, learning on your own, reasoning on your own, and then critically questioning and thinking and delivering something new. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the uh, classical Greek education system. And then you move forward into ancient Rome and ancient Rome is militaristic. It's imperial, it's expansionist. Well, to do that, you have to have soldiers. Well, what creates a terrible soldier? Someone who learns on their own, someone who uh, reasons on their own, and someone who critically questions and redelivers something different and new, right? So Rome completely does away with this ancient education system of ancient Greece and introduces something called objective-based learning. Um, and the way that I explain objective-based learning, it's, uh, it's rote mechanical repetition to achieve a single outcome. So the example that I always give there is like, if you were to learn how to play the piano, do you know how to play the piano, Scott? Just a little bit. Okay. So if you were to learn how to play the piano, the traditional way of learning how to play the piano would be you learn scales, you learn how to read sheet music, you start with like chopsticks, yep. right? And you learn the fundamentals, you learn the basics first, and eventually you go up, you get more complicated, and you know, after a few years, five years of practicing a lot, maybe you can, you can play a piece by Mozart or Bach or something like that, right? Now, objective-based learning, what they would do is they'd go, okay, the objective is I need to get somebody to play this piece by Mozart as fast as possible. Mm. So what we're going to do is, Scott, I'm going to sit you down in front of a YouTube video of some guy or gal playing this Mozart piece over and over and over, 24 hours a day, and you're going to practice over and over and over 24 hours a day, right? And th that's all you're going to do. Well, if you do that enough, you're going to be able to play that piece by Mozart in a few months. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take you five years. It's not going to take you six years. You're going to be able to do it in about maybe three months. I don't know, right? But what if I then gave you a piece by Bach? Could you play it? No, of course not, because you didn't master the fundamentals. You are now a one-trick pony, right? And this is the objective-based learning system. And this is essentially what we actually have uh, implemented today. If you think about it, when America was first founded, our, you know, our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Benjamin Franklin, those guys, right? They actually founded this country on the classical education system, the trivium, right? Learning on your own, uh, reasoning on your own, critically questioning. That's why the American Revolution happened, right? Right, Because we had so many critical thinkers, so many people that were like that. Um, but what happened is during the industrial age, you know, late 1800s, going into the 19, uh, 1900s, um, industrialism, you know, while it's not militaristic expansion, what is it? It's economic expansion. So very similar. We don't need soldiers. We don't need armies, but we need economic armies or corporations, right? And so essentially, we reintroduced this whole idea of the objective-based learning system. And that's what a, major a majority of our education system is based off of now. It's teaching people through rote mechanical uh, you know, rote mechanical repetition to achieve a basic outcome rather than teaching the important things of how to learn on your own, how to logic, you know, logic and reason on your own and how to critically question and think in the world. And because of that, we have all these people that are, you know, basically being bred as soldiers and then put into economic armies as cookie cutter cogs in a wheel. And we're wondering why we're so unhappy, unfulfilled, like, pissed off, more anxiety, more depression than ever. You know, Forbes did a study a few years ago that found that 87% of all people in nine to fives are either depressed, anxious, stressed, unhappy, or completely disconnected from their, from their work. 87%, almost nine out of 10 people, right? And that's 
just what we've accepted in the world today. But that's what our education system gears a majority of uh, majority of our society up for, and that's where it came from. Absolutely, and in, in doing this research, I mean, so I have to, I have a few questions because this yeah. is really resonating with me. I have a son who's graduating high school this year, and um, yeah. you, you you know, the more you you start to see this more and more as you have your kids go through it, and and especially in myself, I went through formal education for so long and realized I kind of bucked the system every time because it just wasn't. It just it, I didn't like thinking inside a box and living inside of a box. Yeah. Um, like literally, is your book anti-education or is it more like uh, expand your world? Don't just focus on one thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's anti-education uh, because it actually talks about education is one of the most important things that you can have in your right. life. Right. It is. It is technically saying, hey, the way that we are currently doing things in the traditional education system is very, very broken, Yeah. right? But for example, so here's, here's what I always tell people. If you know that you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, you, like, you know that deep down. That's your, your drive in life. You have to go through the system. Right? Right. That's the best, the best way to do that, right. 100%. Now, here's the big issue that I have with the education system. When you were 17 and a half years old, are you at the right place in your life to make the decision that you want to be, you want to spend the next 12 years learning how to be a doctor and then you want to be a doctor down the line? I have, I have about a dozen friends that went to UCLA, did pre-med, and then are now doctors. I will tell you from that dozen, there's probably two or three that actually love what they do and they were meant to be doctors. But right? now they've they, spent all this time and money. They've spent all this time and they're stuck in it. They're half a million dollars in debt. They're, they're, they've gone too far, right? The big problem is asking a 17 or 18 year old kid to make the decision about what they want to do with the rest of their life. When frankly, I was just worried about where I was going to get beer from that weekend and the cute girl in Spanish. That's really all I gave a shit about. And I had to make decisions about every, I had to make a decision to spend you know, $100,000 and what school I was going to go to and what degree I was going to pursue and all sorts of that. We, we never give our, our kids the proper opportunity to explore, try different things, exp- like you mentioned, expand their knowledge, expand their experience to make a proper decision on what they actually want to be doing in their world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, ba- the balance. Like, and yeah. you know, it's, it's like, I, of course we want, I want my son to go build a business. <laughs> But that yeah. may not be what's right for him. But yeah, it's a very interesting. I think, I think the best thing, the best thing that we can do for our kids, you know, these are things I'm starting to think about when me and Maddie are considering having kids is like, you know, the best thing we can do for our kids is give them the knowledge and the wisdom to, to get clear, right? The better you can do to help them get clear and make proper decisions ahead of time, the better they're going to do. And again, I can't, I can't knock college, right? Like I learned a ton in college. I had a great experience. I learned a lot about networking. If you read, if you read the book, I I learned a lot about how to game the system. Like I never went to my classes and still graduated cum laude from the engineering school. Um, So I actually learned a lot of entrepreneurial skills while in college, but it just wasn't what I was expecting to learn or how I was expecting to learn it. So in the end, I do believe that like whatever path we end up going down is necessary. Um, It's just understanding that sometimes, you know, there's better ways of doing things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So you, you go into and you go, you cover the history of education. Where does your book go from there? Yeah. So we basically found, we basically found that there's four, uh, four major pieces that you have to learn to be successful in life. It's, you know, to be happier, make more money, uh, more fulfilled to, to, to achieve those things. There's four major pieces. The first piece is 
you have to you have to learn how you as a human work, right? And this sounds uh, a little bit meta, but it's the truth, right? Like Scott, like I'm, I'm sure you were given a user's manual for like your TV or your refrigerator or your remote control, right? You're taught like how this thing works. Were you ever given a user's manual for your brain and your emotions, right? No, of course not, right? At, at very best, maybe your parents tried to explain it to you, but they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, right? So you're getting an outdated user's manual from somebody who has no idea what they're doing. So the first thing that we have to explain to people is like how your brain works, how your emotions work, because what society tells you about your brain and what society tells you about your emotions is not true. For example, when I was in second grade, I was the dumb kid. I had a low IQ. I was actually gonna be held back in second grade. And I had a mentor, not a mentor of mine, I had a teacher of mine um, basically asked me, Xander, do you, do you want to be smart? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, you're going to have to work really hard at it because you can't, she literally told me you can actually program your brain to be smarter. Mm. What seven-year-old kid learns that? <laughs> None. But basically, I was the dumb kid with the low IQ, but I ended up passing second grade. I passed third, fourth, fifth, sixth. By the time I hit seventh grade, I was taking math at the high school. By the time I hit high school, I was taking math at the local university. By the time I graduated high school, I was done with all of my college calculus and physics for my UCLA engineering degree. That was from the dumb kid because I was lucky enough to learn one little tip about how my brain worked when I was seven years old. So, you know, we, we teach people how, uh, you know, how your emotions work and how, because most people think we just have our intellect and that's what runs our life. But the reality is we have an intellectual operating system and emotional operating system. Mm -hmm. And they both have very equal say in everything that's going on. In fact, the emotional operating system, if you don't know how to handle it, it has more of a say. Um, and we talk to people about our subconscious and our conscious mind, right? So our conscious is only 5% of our brain. Sometimes scientists say it's even less, closer to 2 to 3% of our brain. And 95% of our brain is our subconscious. This is habitual processes. This is unconscious stuff that happens. You don't, you don't know about the thoughts you think, the behaviors you, you do, the actions you take are unconscious. So the, the thing that I always tell people is like, you know, if you, if you want to achieve a goal of health, wealth, and happiness, right? And you have five horses running towards that goal, you know, dead sprint. But those five horses are chained to 95 donkeys that are walking the other direction because media and society has been programming that part of your brain because it's just like a supercomputer. It's been programming that part of your brain to not be successful. You're never going to win. Right. So you need to know how your brain, your emotions actually operate if you ever want to be successful. That's step number one. Step number two, like we talked about earlier, you got to get clear. You have to get clear on what it is you actually want, not, the, not what the world wants for you, not what your parents want for you, not what your teachers told you would be, not what your guidance counselor said you'd be great for as an engineer in school. No, screw that. What do you really want? And most people don't actually take the time to really dig into that. They hear, oh, it takes a lifetime to find your purpose. Yeah, if you're an idiot and you don't try, right? That's the person it takes a lifetime to find your purpose. I found my purpose in about three and a half weeks when I really put some extra effort into it. And most people that go through our programs and go through this book, they'll fight it in, in a week or two. We have a series of exercises that we put everybody through and they're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I've spent, I've spent decades searching for this. And all of a sudden in two weeks, I know exactly what my life purpose is. I know what really matters to me. I know all the things that I want to achieve in life. And now I just have to go do the things, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, the second thing is you got to get clarity on what it is you really want in life. And as soon as you have clarity, I tell people like when you're so clear on what you want, it's almost impossible not to overcome any of the fears that get in your way. 
right? Because if I'm so clear, okay, I have one life and these are all the things that I need to accomplish, whatever fears get in the way, it's kind of negligible because I just have to do this thing, right? right? So number two is, is clarity. Number one, know thyself. Number two, clarity. Number three, there's a, a, a series of about 11 different character traits that we've found successful people in life have mastered. And ironically, these character traits are, the majority of them are the exact opposite of what you learn and how you learn to behave in school, in the classical education system, right? Um, you know, for, for example, a good one is um, decisiveness. So making decisions faster before you're ready. Well, what does is, what is the education system teach you? The ed education system teaches you, you have to study, 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 learn, 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 get, get everything as perfect as you can, and then you have the test. Right. Right. So you have to, you have to, you get uh, all this studying done. You have to get every, every piece of knowledge first, and then you take the test. Well, in the real world, what, how does it work? You have to do the thing. And then you learn from what happened after you did the thing. Right. Right. So it, the, the truth is the worst thing to be successful in the world is indecisiveness because indecisiveness breeds doubt. It breeds fear and fear breeds stagnation and failure. Whereas I always tell people, even the wrong decision is better than no decision. I've made thousands of wrong decisions in my career, right? Because I go make a wrong decision, then I go, oh shit, that was wrong. But I learn from it and then I can go make the right decision. But if the whole time you're left there, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out which one to do, which one should I do? What if I get it wrong? You could spend months, even years, just procrastinating rather than just do the thing, screw it up, learn from it, and then you're on to the next thing in a week. Right. So decisiveness, the ability to make huge, massive decisions. I make hundred thousand dollar decisions in less than five minutes. Yep. Right. And I've, I've been that way for a long time as an entrepreneur, because I knew that I had to become more decisive. So, you know, I'll invest, I'll invest thousands of dollars in things, you know, knowing that there's a chance of not getting it right because I know, okay, if I invest in this and I don't get it right, well, at least now I know that it's not right. And I can go do this other thing and get it right. Right. So, you know, there's a series of about 11 different skill sets that everybody has to master to be, you know, make, make more money, uh, have a bigger impact and have more freedom in their life. Um, and then the last thing is there's a handset, uh, a handful of uh, uh, very tactical, strategic things that everybody has to learn to be successful. Things like communication skills, things like productivity, right? Everybody in the world is busy. Very few people are actually productive. So how to be productive in ways that you can get more shit done with the same 24 hours in a day that everybody else does. Uh, things like sales and leadership, um, things like handling stress and anxiety, right? Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I always tell people is like the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is their viewpoint of stress, right? So unsuccessful people are afraid of stress because they think it's bad for us. They, we've all been told that stress kills. Well, Dr. Kelly McGonigal did a TED talk uh, on this and she found that stress doesn't actually kill. What they found, uh, what they found is they, you know, they did a study on like 60,000 people and found that, um, it, so basically what they asked them is, do you live a high stress life? And then they asked them, do you believe that stress is bad for you? And then eight years later, they tracked who died, right? <laughs> so Basically, what they found is if you live a high stress life, you are 43% more likely to die only if you believe that stress is bad for you. Wow. If you believe that stress is good for you because stress causes growth, just like working out, right? Like if you're listening to this and you're, you're a gym owner or something like that, or you, you work out, like how do you build a muscle? You have to stress the muscle. You have to put it under tension for it to grow. Well, the same thing goes for you as a person mentally, emotionally in your relationships. You have to stress yourself to grow. 
And so the people that believed stress was good for them, they had high stress life, lifestyles, but stress was good for them. They were actually 9% less likely to die. So all of these things come together to point out some of the tactics of how you handle stress, how you, the sales tactics, the leadership tactics, the productivity tactics, all of those sorts of things to be more successful in life. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I want to, I want to pivot a little bit here sure. and kind of make sure that we uh, get to a few really tactical things. You gave us a ton of tactical stuff and, um, and I, I will say you walk the walk. I've learned all of this stuff through your system, uh, through your course, which, and, and mentoring, coaching the whole nine yard. It's been phenomenal. So I know you walk the walk, which is, which is wonderful. Um, so let's, let's dig into Xander a little bit. Sure. I know you're very, you're very, um, intentional about your personal growth and you've kind of covered a lot of things, but I want to just kind of give somebody who might be going, okay, well, it's one thing what's one thing that Xander tells me I need to do today to, um, to make progress in my goals. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you two things. Cool. Uh, the one, the one thing we already talked about is get a mentor, um, mm -hmm. and probably pay for it. Right. And the reason that you pay for it is because people who pay, pay attention. Absolutely. Right. So I've gotten mentorship before, just like we talked about earlier, I've gotten mentorship before from amazing people that I didn't pay for. And I didn't, do the things they asked me to do because they scared me and made me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Every time I've paid a mentor, I've done the shit that scares me. Right. So, um, which kind of brings me to my next point. Um, so number one, hire a mentor, pay for a mentor, cause it'll get you into action. Um, and then number two is do something uncomfortable every day. Love it. Um, discomfort, Dis discomfort is probably one of the most addictive things, or I should say comfort is probably one of the most addictive things in the world. It's the silent killer, right? And majority of people are just, we don't realize it, but like, we're just addicted to comfort. We're addicted to safety. We're addicted to what we know, the familiar. Now, if you just start to make it a habit of doing something that scares you every single day, you'll realize that every time you do something that scares you and it doesn't kill you, you can go do something bigger that scares you. And it doesn't kill you. And you go do bigger and you go do bigger. And eventually you get to the point where you can, you know, call your manager and say, Frank, I quit. Yeah. Right. But it, it really comes down. This is something I did when I first started my business. I called it my big cojones action. I, every single day I woke up, I, I told myself I was going to do the one thing that scared me the most. And it, frankly, it didn't matter what it was. Sometimes it was business related and sometimes it was personal related. I remember I called an ex-girlfriend of mine and had her give me feedback on our relationship. Oh. That was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Probably by far one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done in my life. But the, the shit that I learned from that, I guarantee is the reason that I'm happily married today. And Maddie and I are going to have the best relationship for the rest of our lives, because I learned so many things about the opposite sex that I had no idea about that. Like I, I've now completely changed the way that I approach any relationship. Um, but it was that conversation, you know, think about that, right? Like how uncomfortable is it to call an ex-girlfriend and ask them like how your sex life was, right? And like what you could have done better there. Like that's, that's so uncomfortable for most people. But what I learned from it was life-changing. Now you go do something like that and you're like, well, what are the other uncomfortable things that I'm afraid of doing that could probably completely change my life? Right. So if, if you every single day you wake up and you do something that scares you and you quickly start to learn 
that it doesn't kill you. You also start to build your courage. You do one action, you get more courageous to do another. You do another action, you build more courage. It's, it's like poker chips. They build and they stack up the more that you do it until eventually you can go all in and win with some you know crazy hands and you can get some really good returns. Yeah, I, I found that practicing that or putting that practice into place, you start to get a little... It, it becomes harder and harder to do things that scare you. And yeah, one of the things because I you're found, scared, you're scared of yeah. less eventually. Right, right. Cold water immersion still haven't cracked that nut. <laughs> I don't know. So that's, the, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that will, it's actually scientifically proven. You will never get over. I've been doing cold plunges for the last year or something like that. And every single morning I look at that cold plunge and I'm like, you suck. It's so horrible. Like you, you are not fun. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that's why it's like the the big one that everybody's like, okay, got to do this because, yep. you know, hard discussions, hard conversations used to scare me. Do yeah. them enough, they don't scare you. They and don't scare you anymore. Ask, asking hard, you know, people to give you feedback used to scare me. I used to think it reflected on who I was. No. Your person, yeah, your self-worth as a person, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But if you, if you, start, to, you start to realize like, hey, they're not saying I'm a terrible person. They're just saying if I fix this, I'll be a better person. Right. Right. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Like I want to be a better person. And that costs nothing other than your ego. It costs nothing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's really good. Uh, before I ask you the last question, I know your book is on Amazon shit. You don't learn in college yep. uh, by Xander Fryer. Uh, how else should people look you up? Um, yeah. I mean, you can check me out. Uh, if you get, if you're a coach and you're interested in getting help growing your oh, coaching highly business, recommended. you can go to xanderfryer.com Z-A-N-D-E-R-F-R-Y-E-R. Check us out there. Um, and, and, uh, you, you can, you know, find any resources there and, and set yourself up with a conversation with us. Um, you can follow me at, at Xander Fryer on Instagram as well. Um, and if you do get the book, if you go grab the book, um, we're also giving away about $3,000 worth of free training and programs at sidlickbook.com. Um, so if you go to S Y D L I C book.com, you can actually get some free training and programs there too. Awesome. Love it. I love it. Okay. Last question. Everybody gets this one. If you could go back in time, any time in your life, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Hmm. Oh man. So I don't have a specific point in time. Um, maybe when I was sitting in the drunk tank, when I got my DUI, hmm. maybe after I had just quit, um, maybe after AJ committed suicide, I, I went through about a six to nine month deep, dark depression. Um, I think the only piece of advice that I would give to myself at any point of any three of those times is um, trust that this is all for you. Mm. All the things that you go through is going to cause you to be a bigger, better person, have a bigger, larger impact. And this is part of your journey. You have to go through this in order to get to the people that need you in the future. How good of advice is that? Because if you look at the failures and things that go the way they shouldn't have gone, or you don't think they should have gone, that's what's forging you. And that's, what's building yeah. you into who you eventually are called to be in my, my biased opinion. Yeah. Xander, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to the stories that sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.